the issue of freedom in your relationship and in your walk with God gets talked about a lot, but it doesn't get talked about a lot. You understand what I'm saying? It gets talked about a lot in concept, but as far as like practical tools of how to make sure that you can be free in your relationship with Jesus is, is a completely different thing. Like, how many of you know that Jesus sets us free? He sets us free from our past, from the issues, from all of this stuff, from sin. He sets us free from all of that um, positionally. But practical freedom that we walk in every day is a completely different matter. Positionally, we can have access to it, but practically, us exercising the authority that we had to operate in that freedom can be a completely different matter. And so pastors get up and they say, hey, who wants to be free in the Lord today? And all the church people jump up and they say, yeah, let's do it. That's great. And then we walk out of here and we get to work. We get into the ground. We deal with the people. We deal with the issues. We deal with the temptation. And when we have the opportunity to practically walk out the freedom that we positionally have in Jesus, that's where the battle starts. That's where the rubber meets the road, and that's where the truth about who we are is told by the decisions that we make. And that's where a lot of people fall short in their walk with God, and they get caught up in different bondages and different issues and different things and, and, and the different struggles from their past that they carry over and are continually dealing with over and over again in the same area of sin over and over again, not able to seem to be able to just get complete victory in that. But I believe that we can all experience complete and total freedom in Jesus. I believe that we can. Galatians 5 is where we're going to start today. So if you've got your Bibles or your tablets, uh, get them out and get ready to follow along with us or you can read the screens. We make it real easy for you around here. Galatians 5.1 reads like this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now that, at a quick glance, looks like one of those duh kind of statements again that you find sometimes in the Bible. Well, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. He set us free for freedom. Other great profound statements that you might have heard that went along with, with this right here is that if you want to run and go fast, then run and go fast. Or if you want to stand up, don't sit down, stand up. Right along that same vein right there. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What is he saying here? Yeah, it is what you think it is. He set us free for freedom. He set us free so that we could be in continual freedom. Okay, the work that Jesus did on the cross wasn't just for the forgiveness of our sins. That was part of it. And praise God for that. Thank God he got the victory over sin, over death, hell, and the grave. He broke the power of sin in our lives. He broke the curse of sin over the earth. He set us free from that. But that wasn't all that he did. He didn't just die for the forgiveness of our sins. He died for our complete and total freedom from the issues of our past, from the issues of life, and from the issues of sin that existed in our lives. And I thank God that he didn't just 
forgive us, but he gave us the tools that we needed to walk in complete and total freedom in our spiritual lives. Praise God for that. He set us free for freedom. And then he says, stand firm. You know why it says stand firm? Because there's going to be challenges to that freedom. You know what I'm talking about this morning. There are going to be challenges to that freedom. Okay? We live in a world where we have an enemy called the devil whose sole purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy everything that God wants to do in our lives. He wants to put us in bondage to the things that we've been set free from. Okay? He wants to continually put the same kind of people in our past that are going to cause us to get frustrated and aggravated and bring in that drama and bring in all that distraction and that noise. His game is to throw us off so that we, if, if he can't steal our salvation from us, if he can't get us to walk away from God, his goal is to get us to become ineffective and unproductive in our walk with God, and he does that best by attacking our spiritual freedom. That's how he operates. So that freedom that we have is going to be under attack. Just like in America, we have a free country, well, at least mostly a free country. (laughs) We uh, we have a mostly free country that we live and operate in, but there are constant threats to that freedom that we've got to defend ourselves against as a nation. Same thing's true in your walk with God. There are going to be constant threats to the freedom that you have. That's why the Bible says, stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. But don't let that stuff come back into your life. Don't let the things that used to have a hold on you get hold of you again. Don't let that sin entrap you again. Don't let that, don't let that dysfunction come back into your life. Don't let those patterns and those habits take root and hold in your life again. You've been set free for the sake of being free Don't let that stuff come back in and take control in your life and put you under bondage again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. But if you want to talk about freedom, I think it's important for us, for the sake of what we're going to do today and what God wants to do in us today, to look back and see what exactly we've been set free from. So if you got your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 1, go through verse 5. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Everybody say dead. Dead. You were dead. You were dead. I was dead. We were dead in our sin. Okay? That's where we were, spiritually dead in sin. Dead in our transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us. Say all of us. You know what all of us means in the Greek? It means all of us. That means everybody without exception. That means you and 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 me too. All of us. Every one of us without exception. All of us also lived among them at one time. Now pay attention to this. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh following its desires and its thoughts. Those cravings, those just in-the-moment impulses to do something that doesn't line up with the Word of God, those cravings, the desires, the desires. Like, craving would be, I would suddenly, when Pastor Jeremy talks about Super Bowl food, I want tacos. 
I want wings. That's a craving that hits right there. But the desire is more like, I can't wait for Thanksgiving dinner. Man, right about November 1st, I start thinking about Thanksgiving. Man, because that's just something that I look forward to. That's more of a desire. Okay? And then the thoughts. The thoughts. The reoccurring things that come up in our minds. We all, we all were caught in that cycle. Like the rest, we were made, or we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us. Aren't you glad there's some buts in the Bible? Like there are some buts in the Bible that don't look good, and there's some buts in the Bibles that look really good. This is one of those buts in the Bible that look good. Everybody say that but looks good. I'm going to get y'all free this morning. I'm going to wake y'all up. That butt right there looks good. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace that you have been saved. So what does this say? We were all dead in sin and in our transgression. All of us, without exception, were caught up in that. Okay? That's what we were set free from. That spiritual death. Those transgressions, that pattern of thought with the cravings, the desires, and the thought patterns that come with chasing after the things of the flesh. Okay? Now, I want to spend a little bit of time breaking this down. Because if you want to know who I am as a person, you're not just going to get that in a conversation with me. Right? not going to get it in a conversation. If I want to know who Emily is as a person. Now, I can know her, but in order for me to know who she is and why she is, I've got to go back to her first day of life, and I've got to experience the things that she's experienced. I've got to go through school with her. I've got to see the hurts. I've got to see the successes. I've got to see the happy moments. I've got to see the sad moments. I've got to see the people that have came through for her and were there for her in her time of need. And I've got to see the people that turned their back on her and left her and disappointed her. I've got to see the people that were faithful, the people that betrayed her. I've got to see the storms of life. I've got to see the victories of life. In order for me to know who she really is, I've got to know her story. I've got to know. In order for you to know me, you've got to know my story. In order for us to know ourselves, we've got to know where we came from. Okay? Now listen, you cannot experience true freedom spiritually without understanding the process by which Jesus has set you free. And understanding the process by which the enemy tries to take you and put you back into bondage. Okay? So the Bible says... That we were all spiritually dead. Without exception, all of us were in that state. Now, here's the thing. While we were walking around before Jesus became our Lord and Savior, set us free, before Jesus became our Lord and Savior, and brought us back to life spiritually on the inside, we had this dead spot inside of us. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember that? That dead, that whatever, that, that felt like a hole inside of you that nobody talked about. Everybody pretended didn't exist, but it was there. And it would show up late at night when there was nothing to distract you. It would show up while you were driving back and forth to work. It would show that hole would just start to scream out because it needed 
to be that that dead part of you was craving to be brought back to life. And so what we did was not knowing how to solve the problem before Christ, because Jesus is the solution to that issue. I'm telling you, if you're here today, you're here today, and Jesus is not Lord and Savior of your life, you gotta get that right because you're never, ever, ever gonna be satisfied with anything you're gonna try in this world if you, it, Jesus is the only way. He's the only solution to this hole. He's the only solution to this dead part that's inside of us. So we start trying different things, different ways to fill this hole and, and to feel alive on the inside. And for different people, it manifests different. We all have the same core root problem. We're dead in sin. But we all try in a dysfunctional kind of way to treat the symptoms to this issue because we can't find the cure outside of Jesus. And so, for some of us, it manifests as insecurity. And so, because it manifests as insecurity, we try to address that insecurity by accomplishing something or having the titles or getting the position or getting the money or having the success or getting in a place of power and authority so that we can exert that over people so that we don't have to feel insecure on the inside. And for some of us, it manifests as loneliness. And so, we spend all of our time trying to fill that hole of loneliness with relationship after relationship and friendship after friendship. And, and for some of us, it's the hurt and pain that we experience in our lives. And so we desperately try in a dysfunctional way to try to grab something to dull the pain. And so we're going to reach for the drugs. We're going to reach for the alcohol because if just for a moment, we can just disconnect and get some kind of freedom from that hurt. We're going to surround ourselves with people that are going to make us feel better about who we are. Or we're going to box ourselves in and wall ourselves off in the from the world so that nobody can ever get close enough to hurt us again. In dysfunctional ways, we're reaching out to try to treat symptoms of something because we don't have the cure ourselves. Okay? It's that dysfunction that sets the pattern of our thought. It's that dysfunction that feeds the cravings of the flesh. It's that dysfunction, that dysfunctional way for us to try to quiet this storm inside of us that begins to lay the roads and the paths that become later the entryways for temptation into our lives. Because after salvation, we become new on the inside. The Bible says that we become alive in Christ. But listen to me now. Those patterns that we've set, those dysfunctional tendencies that we've set, those habits that we've set in our lives, do they carry over after salvation? Or do they end at the moment Jesus becomes Lord and Savior of our lives? Trick question. They carry over. They carry over because we're a three-part person. We're a spirit, we're a soul, and we got our body. Okay? As long as we're in this stuff right here, our flesh is going to want to do what our flesh is going to want to do. Okay? Listen to me. It's in the dysfunction. It's in the dysfunction that we find the key to our spiritual freedom. Okay, are you hearing me this morning? It's in that dysfunction that we find freedom. 
Okay? It's in that dysfunction that we find the guardrails and the protective tendencies. It's in that dysfunction that we find the ways to protect ourselves and to teach ourselves to stand firm when that attack on our freedom comes. Okay? Why? Because the enemy is always going to hit us in the areas that we've shown ourselves to be weak in before. Okay? He is going to go back and say, before Jesus, this was her issue. This was the issue. And this is what he tried to do to fix the issue. And because that dysfunction existed, I'm going to try to exploit that to get an inroad into their lives so that I can set up some chains and resistance and still just a little bit of their freedom a little bit at a time. That's how he... Am I telling the truth or am I telling the truth this morning? Okay? It's in the dysfunction that you'll find your freedom. So you stop and you look back. Okay, what were the struggles? What were the issues? What are the things that cried out? Because those are the things that are probably going to be the trouble areas and the spots that get attacked in life. Those are going to be the areas that the enemy tries to hit us to rob us of our spiritual freedom. That's where the hindrance is going to come. Okay? I promise you, if your issue was hurt, if your issue was, was that unforgiveness, I promise you, systematically, there are always going to be people to frustrate you, aggravate you, let you down. It's like their mission in life is to try to find the scab and rip it open and expose that hurt again in your life. If your issue used to be loneliness and you went from relationship to relationship, he will try to put you in seasons of your life where you become lonely and you forget that Jesus is enough to satisfy that and you don't need anybody else. And he'll, man, he'll try to sell you the lie. This is how he operates. Now, I'm trying to give you some good truth this morning. Why are you saying this, Josh? Because in all of my years of ministry, in all this, I know I look very young for a seasoned person. This is it. This is the issue. This is where it's at. Right here. This is where we as Christians sell out everything that Jesus paid the price for us to have. It's not because we don't love him. And it's not because we just want to, to glorify the devil and, and just let him have his way with our life. It's that we don't recognize that our own Previous dysfunctions are being used against us to rob us of our spiritual freedom. And so we walk around in bondage to things that Jesus has positionally set us free from. But we refuse to practically walk in that freedom that we positionally have. We settle for the issues. Of, we, we, we settle for being insecure. We settle for thinking that we're a failure when the Bible says that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. See what I'm saying? We settle for these things. And I see this. I have, a, I have seen very few people, very few people that have actually operated in genuine spiritual freedom in their lives. What I see most of the time are people that are struggling with issues, people that shout and look good in church, but they walk around with change on them from the past. 
They carry around hurt and unforgiveness. They walk around letting the devil tempt them. They walk around falling in repetitive sin again and again and again when they've been set free from it because we allow that freedom to be taken from us instead of standing firm in the work that Jesus has done. Am I talking to you this morning? Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is where it's at right here. Spiritual freedom. Now here's the problem. Because when you say this, this is what, I, I, you know, I, when you say this, I'll let you guys see what I see. So I get up there, a pastor, somebody gets up there, whoever's preaching, they get up there, and they say, blah, 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 blah. Freedom in Jesus. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of all that. Let's get free. And everybody's like, woohoo! Yeah! Let's get the freedom going. Isn't that right? Y'all about to get free. Y'all going to get some freedom this morning. It's going to be awesome. But I ain't going to talk about the hurt in my heart. I'm not going to talk about the bitterness that I'm walking around with. I'm not going to talk about my unforgiveness. I'm not going to talk about the fact that I'm still hurt because my dad said this when I was 14 years old. I'm not going to talk about the abuse because I want to cover it up. I don't want to give it to Jesus. And every Sunday, I see people that look like they're free, that shout like they're free, that try to worship God like they're free, but you're carrying chains, 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 and you're bound, and you're bound, and you're bound because you've tried to bury it instead of deal with it, and you've shied away from the dysfunction instead of embracing it and laying it before the Lord and letting Him equip you to overcome it. Now, I want to challenge you this morning to rise up and get over yourself and step out of the deception and be free once and for all in the Lord today. Yeah. Free. I don't have, I found probably the most perfect example of this attitude of self-deception in the Bible that I've ever seen in my entire life. I laughed. I belly laughed at it because I was like, that is so true. This is what people do. This is what I've done in my past. This is what I've done in my past. What I'm about to read to you right now. This is Jesus in John chapter 8. Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. John chapter 8, starting at 31. Jesus has been preaching and, and talking to these people and to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You know that's still true today. doesn't matter whether or not you believe in God. It comes down to his word and your heart and your obedience to him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey me. Still true today. He said, if you hold my teachings, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now look at what these people say. They answered, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? I want to stop there for a second. All right, question. Who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to a group of Jews who are part of national Israel, right? He says, you'll know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. And they're like, 
We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anybody. How are you going to talk about us? Have you guys ever read the Old Testament? Israel was slaves to everybody. I mean, if, if their name ended with an ite or a steen, Israel was a slave to them just about. Now, or uh, they were slaves to Egypt, the Philistines. God, I, I could just go on and on and on. All these people conquered Israel because God let these people conquer Israel because Israel had a hard heart. And he figured the only way I can get you jokers to turn back to me is to make your life absolutely miserable so you'll cry out to me so I can come in and rescue you and you'll serve me again. All through the Old Testament. This blows my mind. While they're saying this to Jesus, Israel is under Roman control. They're slaves to Rome while they're telling Jesus, we haven't been slaves to anybody. If that's not the best example that exists in all the Bible to show this spirit and this attitude that's so prevalent in the church today, psh, I've never pulled. I'm free in Christ. I'm not, I'm not a slave to anything except for this, that, and the other. But we, that's not really whatever. It blows me away. How did Jesus not bust out laughing? Like, I don't even need spiritual discernment for this. We're all, like the Romans right now, control all of you guys. Psh, we don't. We don't have this issue. We don't have this issue. And I think a lot of it is because of our perception of the issues that become bondage in our lives and, and threaten our freedom because the enemy's really, really good at what he does. And when I think of spiritual bondage, I get mental images that come to mind. And, and I picture jail cells and prisons and things that might look like this right here. I see a prison. To me, that's spiritual bondage right there. Caught up in a jail cell. Someone who is enslaved in their sin, who doesn't know the freedom of Jesus. But I find the longer that I live and the more I experience life and spiritual issues and I interact with other people, that it doesn't really look like this so much as it looks like this right here. That's a tracker. See, that's what they put on you when you're a prisoner. But they don't want to keep you in jail. So they put this tracker and this tracer on you so that you can freely operate in your home or you can freely operate in a city. And some places will even let you travel within the state, depending on the terms of your parole or probation or whatever you've been let out of jail for. But you're still a prisoner to that thing right there. Because you're only allowed to go so far before you hit the parameter, before you hit the limit. And I don't know how many times, church, I see people only go so far in their walk with God. Only go so far in their experience of Him. 
only go so far in their understanding and revelation of the word of God. And they only go so deep in that relationship with God before the enemy is able to grab and pull and keep them trapped in this safe parameter of ineffectiveness and unproductiveness in their relationship with God. And you have the illusion of being free, but you don't realize that you're just as much a prisoner as someone in a cell. And maybe even more so because you've been deceived into thinking that you're free, but you don't realize that you can only go so far with the bondage that you're carrying. Now, if that doesn't preach to the church today, I don't know what does. We have to stand firm to protect our freedom spiritually, to make sure we don't have any of those things hanging out on us. That's how the enemy works. It's not going to be a cell. It's going to be something subtle like this. It's going to be, I did a full week of praying every day for 21 days of prayer at the church. This is amazing. I'm following the reading plan. It's great. And then the family leaves the house and there's nobody there to make sure that you don't go into the computer room and hop online and go places you're not supposed to go. You hit the, you hit the parameter, and here comes the bondage. That's how it works every time. That's how it works every time. You're only able to go so far before the repetitive sin hits again, and now you're dealing with guilt, condemnation and you feel like you're having to start all over again it's the game that he plays it's the game that he plays with us so I was praying in three areas kind of kept going over and over and over in my spirit that the Lord wanted me to just briefly touch on today before we spend some time in prayer I think it's important that we spend some time in prayer and in the presence of God today to pray through some of this stuff Okay. Some of y'all still got some real pretty little good-looking faces on right now. I'm believing that God's going to shatter all of that so that we can be real and let him do what he wants to do in our hearts and in our lives today. Is that okay? So here's some of the stuff that I feel like the Lord laid on my heart. We're going to go through this quickly because you're going to know what this means for you. The first area is an area of sin. We talked about this a little bit this morning, but just repetitive sin. Repetitive sin in your life. Most people struggle with one major area of sin. Sometimes it's two, but most of the time it's one. Why? Because that was our pattern of dysfunction before Jesus. And so that's the area that the enemy comes back to over and over and over again to try to get us to stumble and fall. But I got good news for you. Romans 6 Verse 11 reads like this. Well, I tell you what, the enemy just comes back. You ever had, you ever had an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend? You broke up with them, and you were ready to move on with life, but they just didn't want to let go. They just kept calling. They just kept coming by the house. They just kept leaving notes. They just kept texting. And they wouldn't just go away. That's kind of what the devil's like, isn't he? 
try to break up with that joker, and he keeps coming back. It's just crazy. I, uh, I remember Kelly and I, I don't know how I'm getting off on this, but Kelly and I had just started, we, we hadn't been dating for too terribly long. I remember I was over at her house in Texas with her family, and we were playing this game. And one of her ex-boyfriends showed up and just randomly knocked on the door. This ex-boyfriend who lived in Oklahoma, who just happened to be in the neighborhood, who just happened to come by and thought, hey, I'll just swing by and see if the girl's still at the house and say hello. We all know what that joker showed up for. He showed up to see Miss Sweet Thing. But I was there. You want to talk about an awkward situation. Whoo, snap. My goodness. But at the end of the day, he got in the car and left, and I still got Kelly. So that worked out pretty good. That worked out really good. That's just how the devil works, man. He'll just show up at random times, try to take you away from Jesus. But he didn't take Kelly away from her Jesus. I'm kidding. I'm not. All right, there it is right there. That's the church I know right there. That's my church right there. (laughs) Romans 6 says this. It says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That's a command. Do not let sin. Now, is God going to command us to do something that he doesn't equip us to do? I'm asking a lot of questions this morning. I want you to think. No, he's not. He's not. He's not going to ask you to do something he doesn't equip you to do. So he says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey, here's that word again, evil desires. Do not offer. That's another command right there. That's the action on our part. Do not offer. Who would do the offering in this scenario? That would be you and that would be me, right? He says, don't do this. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought, there it is again, from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. At one time, sin was your master, but it's not your master anymore. You know why? Because you're free. You're free in Christ. Free in Christ. Listen, I got news for you guys. It doesn't matter if this has been a repetitive area of sin in your life for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 60 years. Listen, if you are in Christ and you have been set free from sin, I want you to hear me now. Everybody look at me. As a Christian, when you sin, you sin because you choose to do it out of habit and repetition, not because sin has any power or authority over you, because you have been set free from sin in Christ. Okay? Freedom is in the dysfunction. Recognize the dysfunction and step into the freedom that God wants you to operate in in your life. Uh, The second area was this, when I was praying, the past. The past. I don't have to spend a lot of time on this because, you know, the past is an issue with you, you know. You know, we don't have to talk about the hurt. We don't have to talk about the disappointment. We don't have to talk about the betrayal. We don't have to talk about what needs to be healed. It's just there. But here's what I know. People that have issues in the past, their heart, spiritually, looks like this right here. 
It looks like this. It's just one huge network of highways that connect two points in life. They're always connected to what somebody said. They're always connected to what somebody did. And listen, there's some messed up stuff that can happen to us in life. I know that by the, by the numbers, there are going to be people in this room that have been abused by your spouse. There are going to be people in this room that have been abused by your parents or have been molested by a family member or someone close to the family. I know by the numbers that's going to There's some messed up stuff that can happen, okay? But the good news is that regardless of what's happened to us, Jesus can still heal and restore. Amen? And he can take that bad stuff that happened to us and in a way change it so that that can become a testimony for us to reach people that might be going through the same thing right now. But the enemy wants to keep you connected to it just like this network of highways. I counted, there's like over 30 roads in that picture. Some of y'all probably have been counting since it's been up there on the screen. It's over 30. And if you were to look at our... Heart spiritually for some of us is just like that. And every road is going to connect to a moment. Jesus wants to set us free from all of that this morning. And the third one was this, and I can't believe that we would even think about talking about this in church. But a religious spirit. A religious spirit. I don't know how many times I've seen people sincere in their walk with God end up with a religious spirit about them. You know what I mean when I say religious spirit, right? That religious spirit that Jesus was always butting heads with when he was walking around. They just look like Pharisees. That religious spirit that always sits in opposition to a legitimate, genuine move of God. That religious spirit. You know what's crazy? When Jesus was dying on the cross, giving his life to pay for the sin, you know what the Pharisees were doing at the moment Jesus died for the... For all of our sins on the cross, they were leading a procession going into the temple to make sacrifices and offerings. At the same time, Jesus was paying the ultimate sacrifice. That's how blind religious spirits are. It's crazy. Here's some characteristics of religious spirits. You guys still awake? Here's some characteristics of religious spirits. People with religious spirits will smile to your face, then lie and gossip and slander you behind your back. Oh, hallelujah. My, 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 my. Have you seen people like that? I'm just going to read these off to you. They look pretty in church, though, don't they? People with religious spirits. This is, this is one that's more subtle, but they'll go all week without time with God, then show up on Sunday expecting the pastor to offset their spiritual malnutrition. Because what starts off as something genuine becomes systematic and ritualistic and your daily relationship with God gets replaced with church being something that you go to instead of being who you are that's what happens Um, religious spirits they have a consumer mindset they will not get involved or serve in the church but they will criticize everything they don't like about it they're really fun people to hang out with Here's another one that's real subtle because a religious spirit always looks to go deeper with new teaching but fails to apply the foundational truths of faith. Golly, we could just spend all day talking about that one right there. 
always wanting to go deeper and deeper, always talking about going deeper in the Spirit, which there's nothing wrong with. But listen, don't tell me about how close you are to God if you haven't tried to lead anybody to the Lord in the last 18 years of your life. If it was real, it would bear fruit. Hallelujah. Okay, so here we go. Religious spirits are entirely self-focused in their interaction with God and others. There is no denying of self or serving of others. Not in a religious spirit. A religious spirit will avoid accountability, (laughs) unresolved issues, and submission to spiritual authority. Can I get an amen in the church this morning? My goodness, that is so true. They avoid it like the plague. It's like water on a witch. They can't stand it because they'll melt. Religious spirits will judge and criticize people in groups for their sin or mistakes, but expects grace and understanding and forgiveness for their own sin and mistakes. Have you ever seen somebody like that? Oh, man, what a double standard. And this, to me, is probably one of the biggest telltale signs of a religious spirit because a religious spirit will sit in church, listen to a message on freedom, then knowing they need freedom in areas of their lives will not respond to God's word because of pride or self-deception. Don't let that be you this morning. Don't let that be you this morning. Listen, if we need freedom, let's get free. Amen? Galatians 5.1 says this. Again, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't forget that, church. It's for freedom. He didn't just die for your sins. He died so that we could be free. Free from sin. Free from our past. Free from that that evil entanglement with a religious spirit and mindset. Free from the traps of the enemy that lies there in the dysfunction. Recognize the dysfunction so you can recognize where the enemy is going to hit you. Freedom lies right there. What's your dysfunction this morning? What's your dysfunction this morning? I know what mine have been in the past. And I know how the enemy tries to attack me. How does he work on you? The better question is, have you been successful at standing firm or yes? being honest in the presence of God this morning are there some areas that we need to be free in in our walk with God stand with me if you will